This message was presented at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this day and for waking us all up and for being so faithful to us to provide jewels that will um, that we will be able to possess from this life to the next. And Father, I pray that um, as the speaker gets ready to come up and present the message that you have put on her heart, I pray, Lord, that you will uh, sanctify her mind, um, sanctify her lips, Lord, and uh, prepare our hearts for the message that you have foreordained since the beginning of this world for us to hear on this day. In the name of Jesus, I pray this prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Morgan. Good morning. I am Siku. Uh, let's see by a show of hands those who weren't here before. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who weren't here before, nobody told me this should say lessons. And this is God. Okay. Um, our in the past session. We, we went through Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, whirlwind style, and we got uh, things that we learn about God. We talked a little bit about how those apply to our lives, and we started delving into the story, uh, uh, the story behind the story of the story of Genesis, okay? So that's where we were. Um, I think, uh, I don't think you need a recap recap. Uh, I know on your uh, program things, it says this session is about the theodicy, the question of theodicy. Um, before we, we go into that, I wanted to finish up on what we started previous session on the story of the great controversy. Is that acceptable to you guys who weren't here before? Okay, I got a thumbs up from one person and an mm-hmm. Okay. So here are our texts. We went Genesis chapter 3. And then we went Revelation chapter 12. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 12 and pick up there. Revelation chapter 12. I asked in the previous session, I asked how many... How many were familiar with the great controversy as a meta-narrative, as a story. Uh, and I got a show of hands. So there, there are enough new people here, and since that's what, kind of what we're going to be going through, I, I just would like a show of hands so I know how in-depth to go. Uh, how many of you are familiar with the great controversy as a story? Okay, 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 okay. All right, Revelation chapter 12. When we ended, we talked about verse 3. There was a great dragon in verse 3 of chapter 12. Uh, <laughs> do you mind sitting in the front over there? So that, I, so that I don't feel bad about the board. I'm sorry. Okay. okay. Um, verse 3 was talking about the great dragon. Uh, and verse 4, his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. And we went to verse 7, talked a little bit about that. There was a war in heaven. Uh, Michael and his angels fought, and the dragon fought, and his angels, they didn't prevail. And then the dragon was cast out, and he took a third of the angels from heaven. Um, we have um, the Bible talks about Michael. And you know, uh, Catholicism has, has uh, a... a Interesting angel, angelology, angelology, I think it's what they, angelology, like the study of angels, angel, okay, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and they say Michael, you know, they have these angels, they're like Michael, Gabriel, etc., and they have Michael there as one of the angels, because you have him in the Bible, um, but actually in scripture, uh, do you guys know who Michael actually is? Jesus, yeah, can, can anyone show me from the Bible, Michael is Jesus? We have like one hand. Sorry? First Thessalonians 4. Let's read it. 
Daniel we can read it. 12. Daniel 12. Okay, Daniel 12. Yes. Sorry, uh, let me give you the mic. <laughs> there's, no, there's no direct statement, but you know you have. But there's several places. You know, Daniel chapter twelve, uh, how Michael stands up, who is the intercessor for his people. First uh, Thessalonians four, the Jesus returns with the voice of the archangel. Yeah, the, the, there's also Jude. I wasn't prepared for a Bible study on Michael. <laughs> okay, there are some pointers. Okay, go home and study. All right. The Bible talks about Michael is not some random angel. Michael is actually Jesus Christ himself. Um, because there's no, there's no created being that has the power to resurrect. Only Jesus does. Jesus told, that, told us that when he was on earth. So if this archangel, if this Michael, if this archangel has the ability to, with the trump of God, with, the, with his voice to resurrect, he's got to be more than just a created being, right? Um, anyway, so what we're, we breezed over that. So that is to create the scene that in heaven, you've got Jesus on this side who is fighting with angels, and you got Satan, the devil, on this side fighting with angels like on his side. You, you get the picture? Here's, um, here's uh, just, uh, I, I'm scared to say because I don't, I don't want it to muddy the waters. But it will be interesting for some of you. If it doesn't interest you, just forget I said it, okay? So like open your brain and then if it sounds not interesting, just shut your brain off real quick, okay? You know, um, God is three persons, right? That is how God pre- presents himself to us. And we see God, uh, name the persons of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're three co-eternal, they're all God, right? And yet God is one. He's not three separate gods. He is one God. This is, it's a mystery for us to fully comprehend. We have glimpses of some kind of an understanding when we look at like the marriage relationship, for example. You've got two separate individuals. They've got their own brains and hopefully their own personalities. You know, some people get married and they forget who they are and then they like morph into each other which is like weird. It's not supposed to be like that, right? Like you've got two separate individuals and yet they are one. It's marriage. And we have that, that gives us a glimpse of an understanding of what the Godhead is kind of like. Okay. I say that, I, I, I refer to the Trinity because it is hard, let me say, near say impossible for us to ever fully grasp a full picture of God because God is God. Okay? God is so far above us, so far beyond our comprehension that we could never wrap our minds around him. Okay? So you know that commandment that says, thou shalt not make any graven images? The reason it says that, it says that because you can't, you can never form a picture, a full picture of who God really is. So the moment you try to put him in a box, you've already lost your understanding of who he is. Right? You, you can't, God is, is, the word in theology is transcendent. Transcend, I don't know if I should even bother writing this because I don't, you can't probably read that. Transcendent, right? He's far, far beyond our comprehension. And yet, and yet, here's the beautiful thing, yet God as huge and awesome and great and magnificent and far beyond our understanding as he is, he comes and he wants to be understood by us. Okay? In theology, they call that imminent. Imminent means like he comes close to us. 
he wants he wants to be understood by us he wants he wants us to 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 understand who he is so when the things we talked about in here this is god in his imminence this is god saying i want you to know me right i want you to get to know me like this is who i am okay this is important in our worship experience because if we think of god as purely transcendent like god is so far beyond our understanding there's no way we could ever understand god then we're always afraid when we come to him because you can't know him right it's like that 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 relative or that parent who is way way do any of you have really have a really really rich relative who is like not cool with you like they just send you money oh okay <laughs> you know, and, uh or uh oh, what's an analogy i thought everyone has that really rich uncle no <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, uh, well uh, it's um uh, like uh, it's like the president of your company that you work for the president of your university and they're like so like they're like beyond your reach Usually the principal of your school is usually, you know, more relatable, right? Yeah. I'm struggling here. I thought everybody would have that uncle seriously. <laughs> like I'm stuck. Okay. Well, if God if God is so far beyond our comprehension, then it's hard when we come to him in worship, like we have to sit like over here and we have to be quiet and like, you know, this is how um for historians this is kind of how uh the catholic worship is is based on it's based on a transcendent god have you ever walked into a catholic cathedral see the ceiling is really 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 high up right and and when you sing the music like it's kind of hollowed out because of the the space in the room their architecture is based on their understanding of god so you know when you get to the reformation and you got like Martin Luther when he wrote Mighty Fortress is our God and those hymns the the way that those hymns were written were actually based on their understanding of God so the music actually now is more communal it's not the the Gregorian chants the you know those that, yeah because that that is it's based on your understanding the it Uh, and now there's actually a renaissance of gregorian chants did you know that like it's kind of cool again gregorian chants are like in vogue lately um but this is based on your theology okay god in his imminence wants to come close to us and wants us to understand him when we have in the bible jesus coming down as the son of god Is Jesus God's biological son? I mean like you know you have your mom and your dad? Is God the father like Jesus dad like that? Yes no. We have some like I'm not sure. Maybe no he isn't. He isn't. In fact, uh this is relevant to what we're talking about, okay? <laughs> this is relevant. In fact, you know uh, Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 says Genesis 3 verse 16 says Genesis uh, no John 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 I'm like you don't know Genesis 3:16 Who am I talking to? All right. John 3:16 John chapter 3 verse 16 says you guys are listening harder than I'm talking. <laughs> listening harder. He gave his only begotten son. That term begotten causes people problems because it it means begotten like you know his only son that was born of him. And people are like, well that means that Jesus is God's son in the way that my dad is my dad, right? Wrong. 
Um, that word is actually the, 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 in the original word in the Greek is monogeneus. It's unique. It means unique. Monogeneus, like uniquely uh, existing. It's used again in reference to Abraham's son when it talks about Isaac. And it says, Isaac was Abraham's only begotten. Now tell me, did, I, did Abraham have any other kids? Yes. What was his name? Ishmael was actually born of Abraham, right? But it talks about Isaac because Isaac was unique in his role in salvation. And so when it talks about Jesus as only begotten, there's no other, there's no word for it, so they used the word begotten when they translated. But it actually means unique. Like the relationship between God the Father and God the Son is unique. That's basically what it's trying to say. So God... This is important. God the Father is not Jesus' biological father. Okay? Okay. God the Father, when we talk about God the Father and Jesus his son, we're talking, we're trying to understand a relationship between these members of the Godhead. This is God trying to explain something to us. Okay. Jesus says the church is his bride. Does the church literally wear white? Do we go to church wearing white? No. Okay. Ladies, those of you who are single, are you like, I'm married to Jesus. I ain't married nobody else. <laughs> no, right? We're like, Lord, give me a husband. <laughs> okay. Because the church is his bride, not, not as in literally you can never get married, which is kind of what happened in Catholicism with the nuns, right? The nuns cannot get married because... And the priests can't get married because they represent Christ. But that's not what the Bible's talking about. The Bible is trying to explain a relationship. So it gives an analogy. What's the word? Analogy. Right? It's an analogy that we can understand to understand the nature of a relationship. Does this make sense to you? Okay. This is God coming close to us. God wanting us to understand who he is. God in his imminence. Okay, this is the part where you can shut your brains off if it doesn't interest you. Jesus, in the person of the Godhead, has the role of representing the Godhead to God's creation. So we have here in Revelation chapter 12, this angel called Michael, who through your Bible study you will learn is Jesus himself, is representing to the angels the Godhead. So God created the angels. And God wants all of his creation to understand him. So God, having created the angels as a Godhead, they're like, all right, among us, who can represent to the angels the Godhead? And Jesus is, I represent the Godhead to the creation. So Jesus comes in the form of an angel who is Michael. Is this making sense? This is God in his imminence. Jesus coming as the son of God when Jesus came to earth, this wasn't the first time that, um, theologically you call him the first, second, and third person, not an order of importance, but just a naming. So this is, you have God the Father, if that's the first, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and you call them that way because this second person, who is Jesus, is also Michael. This is God representing himself to his creation through the second person of, 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 of the Godhead. Does this make sense to those of you who kept your minds open? Okay. So here in Revelation, you have God himself in this angelic form who is Michael. Fighting against the devil who is an angel and he's got a following. What happened? Isaiah. Let's turn to Isaiah. Chapter 14. Isaiah 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, 
O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? We saw that imagery in Revelation chapter 12, right? We saw that there was, there was this angel, who was, there was a dragon who, was, uh, who used to be an angel and he's fighting and he's cast down. And so here it is, how, are you fa- how art thou fallen from heaven, Lucifer, son of the morning? And here is why. Here's what happened to Lucifer in verse 13. You have said in your heart. Now note this. This is not something that an angel woke up one day and started spreading around to everyone. This is something that started in his heart. This is important. You know, when Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, if you say in your heart, Raka, right? You curse someone out in your heart. You're a murderer. And you're like, Jesus, man, that's extreme. But Jesus knows what he's talking about. Because up in heaven, this whole drama that we're in started in somebody's heart. That's why the gospel has to be even more powerful than any human force. Because it has to go to your heart. Those inner recesses that nobody sees, those thoughts that nobody else can hear, in those quiet moments when everybody looks at you and you look all holy, but deep down inside you're thinking something evil, that's what the gospel has to change. So Lucifer said something in his heart, something that no one else could see. But here's the beautiful thing. We talked about the last session about God's omniscience. Nobody else saw it, but God could see it. God could see it. So, you know, in Psalm 139, David says to God, Search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David has to say to God, Nobody else may be able to see the hate that I have in my heart towards this person because they keep trash-talking me. Nobody may be able to see the jealousy and the envy I have towards that guy because, you know, he's so buff and holy at the same time. How does he do that? You know, like, nobody can see what's going on in my heart, but Lord, search me. Sometimes, you know, we don't even know our own hearts. Sometimes we don't even realize that that we've got wickedness and evil brewing in our own hearts. And that's why we've got to come to God and say, Lord... Search my heart. Show me, show me the wickedness of my own heart. Not so that I can brood, not so I can get depressed and, you know, beat myself up, but so that I can go to Jesus. So you have here in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13, You have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. All those statements culminate in the I will be like the most high. This angel said in his heart that I want to have that position that the most high has. Turn to Ezekiel. You go Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Turn to Ezekiel 28. Turn to Ezekiel 28. And we start... In verse 12, son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, uh, P.S., for those of you who are going to go back and study these chapters, at the beginning of, of chapter 28, you have a similar phrase, son of man, take up, say unto the prince of Tyrus, and then in verse 12, you have say unto the king of Tyrus. Um, Ezekiel was being told to take up a lamentation against the prince of Tyre, and then after that, the king of Tyre. And what you have in these, in these parallel stories is the prince of Tyre was, was acting somehow. And then he says, actually, what's happening is 
the way that the Prince of Tyre is acting is because is, he's being influenced by the King of Tyre. And the king, who is great, a king is greater than a prince, right? The king of Tyre is actually none other than the devil himself. Sometimes when people are acting somehow, it's because the devil is, is influencing them to act that way. They're like, they're mirroring the actions of the devil. So he's calling us to see here behind, behind the actions of those people who are being mean to you, there is someone else who's actually behind that, and it's the devil. That, it should help. It should help, not so that you point at people and be like, oh, you're the devil incarnate. Not like that. Um, but it, it should help in the sense that when you see somebody and they're being mean to you or they're being unkind or they're being, you know, whatever kind of way, you realize that, yes, they may be the one who's being mean to you, but there's actually a force that is greater that is acting behind them. Okay? And the devil's trying to get to you through them. And don't give the devil that victory. It's like, you know what? Uh, I was going to say bye, Felicia. <laughs> She's like, no. You're not going to get to me that way. I refuse for you. You, you follow what I'm saying? Okay. So the king of Tyre. Say unto him, thus saith the Lord, verse 12. Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. And this is when you know he's not talking to any earthly person because which humans were in Eden other than Adam and Eve? Definitely no king of Tyre. But we do know someone else who was there, the devil. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. And he lists these stones. And then towards the end, he says, The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. It's, a, it's an allusion to his voice was so majestic. It was like listening to a symphony when one person sang. Wasn't it beautiful when Sister Morgan let out? That was beautiful. She's got a beautiful voice. But the devil's, oh, this angel's voice was gazillion times better than that. I mean, you know, people worship musicians now because they're like, wow, when they sing, it's like, it's like a bird, you know. And, but but this, this angel's voice was way more majestic than that. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Remember it, it talked about in Isaiah 14 about ascending to the mountain of God? This is saying you were already there. So what he wanted wasn't to be physically there, he wanted a position there that he didn't have. Yeah? Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. Until iniquity was found in you. It's mind-boggling how sin could originate in the very presence of God. It's mind-blowing. And yet at the same time, it's somewhat comforting. Because if this angel was right next to God, could see who God is, the beauty of the character of God. He could see the kindness, the goodness, the munificence, the intentionality, organization. He could see all of this about God and way more. And yet, in the very presence of God, this angel decided that I want to be higher than God. That tells me that there was nothing else that God could have done to help this angel. Because he was right there next to God. For those of you who grew up in the church, grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist church, God placed you there for your own salvation. Because if you had been born in some other kind of family, you maybe would have never come to the truth. For those of you who work in the Lord's work, which should be all of us because we go to church, right? You know, all of us who are engaged in, in, in gospel ministry, in doing God's work, God has us working next to him 
for the sake of our own salvation. I know already we've heard, you know, the sermons about we need to go out there and preach because there are souls that are dying. And it's true. There are people who need to hear about Jesus. But you know what? If you don't go, you risk your own salvation. The safest place for you to be is right next to God. Because that's the, that's the most he could possibly do to save you. So it's mind-boggling. It's, it's really mind-boggling that in the very presence of God, this angel says something in his heart. I want to be greater. Incidentally, we don't read the stones that are mentioned here in, chapter, in verse 13. But the stones that are mentioned, if those of you who are students of the sanctuary message and you know you study the, the high priest in the sanctuary message, the high priest wore, uh, we're going to talk about adornment like in three sessions or so, but the high priest was actually adorned. Like he, the, 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 thing, the ephod that he wore had like these, these adornment on it. And the high priest actually was, was covered in jewels. Jesus, we talk about in the New Testament, Jesus is our high priest. So it's fascinating that this angel, actually, he wasn't covered in all exact, the exact same stones that the high priest was covered in, but similar, close. It kind of gives you this picture that he was so close to God, so beautiful. So talented, musically, otherwise, I'm sure. By the time we get to Revelation, he's leading an army. He was militarily talented, like genius, brainy. I mean, this, this guy was like it. And he was so close to God. At some point, he said, why can't I just be God? And when you think about what I said earlier about God in his imminence, Presenting himself as Michael to the angels. Michael in the Bible, we see him as the leader of the armies of the heavenly angels. And here is this other angel who is so close. And he's like, man, I mean, Michael, Michael gets to be God. He's an angel. Why can't I be God? I mean, I look good. I'm talented. I got my own section of the army that I lead. Why can't I hold that position just like he does? And he aspires to a position in the Godhead, which he never could. Do you know why? Why Lucifer could never hold that position? Because it's a very, very important distinction. It's called creator and created. Everything in the universe falls into these two categories. And there is only one creator who is God and everything else is created. And no matter how hard you try, you will never be the creator. Never. How many of you could ever be your own mother? No matter how hard you try, right? That's why you better respect her. <laughs> because she carried you. It's really weird, but she carried you in her body, okay? God made it that way. And you, you, no matter what you do, it's like a reality of your existence. And no matter how hard Lucifer tried to skip this barrier, to jump over here, there's no way you could ever become creator. Look, you are created. And this is, I'm, I'm going to put it this way. This is a reality that we all just have to sink into. It's a philosophical reality. All of us are created. I say it's a philosophical reality because, you know, we can do mind exercises and think about, you know, but what if I was the creator? You know, what if I could decide the laws of nature? You can't. You cannot decide how gravity works. Because you are not the creator. You were born into... Did you choose to be born? Who chose to be born? I remember like probably at the lowest point in my life, I was like, God, I didn't even choose to be born. You know, And it's like, oh, why am I here? I didn't choose to be born. 
But you know, at the happiest points in my life, I'm like, God, I didn't even choose to be born. <laughs> Hallelujah, I'm here. Right? Like, there's, this is a hard reality. Like, we have no say in this. It now, it now comes the question, like, how do we relate to that? Lucifer had a problem with accepting this reality. And, it, it, and when we come to our Christian experience, if we can't accept this reality, then it impacts the way we live our lives. And that ties into our next portion. Okay, questions, comments, queries, and then we're, we're going to touch on the theodicy thing real quick. Okay. Thought, okay, hold on. So you mentioned that Lucifer wanted to be like the angel Michael, and but I mean that Michael is an angel. That's just in some passages in the Bible. I assume that he knew that it's not an angel. So um, he's saying that. So Lucifer wanted to be Michael, but he knew that Michael wasn't just an angel. Yes. Um, Just like, you know, we know uh, God the Son, Jesus, is God, right? And, and this is a weird reality, right? Because Jesus is God, and, and yet he is human. There are things about Jesus that I cannot be. Like, I cannot, I, I am not the master of ocean and sea and sky. Because Jesus is God. Right? I cannot die for people's sins. Only Jesus could do that. Right? Because Jesus is God. And yet, Jesus is fully human. And so, Jesus obeyed his parents, and I can do that too. Right? And Jesus went about preaching and teaching, and through the power of God, Jesus performed miracles. And I can do that too, through the power of God. Right? So there are, there's that understanding that, that, As much as God comes close to us in his imminence, like he's, he wants for us to understand him, yet he is altogether different from us at the same time. And, and the angels knew that, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, oh man. I'm so sorry. Okay. Ezekiel 28. Verse, we ended in 15. Verse 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as a profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before the kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thy iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore I will bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It will devour thee. I'll bring thee to ashes upon the earth, the sight of them, that all that behold ye. I wanted to, to point out in verse 18 especially, where it talks about the multitude of your traffic. Um, we talked about that war that happened in heaven. And, you know, we imagine like lightsabers. Like, whoa! And these huge angels, you know, angels of light. And they got their lightsabers and they're fighting like this, right? That's how I kind of imagined it before. But... When, what brings out here is it says the multitude of your traffic and that term there actually refers to a slander so this angel is going around slandering God and he's saying you know what hey you, you know remember that time at worship like how come Michael gets worship I mean doesn't he look just like us Yeah, right? I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not saying nothing. I mean, he's God, right? Psh. Hey, hey, you know, is it really true that, that we, we have to worship? I mean, we look like Michael. How come, how come we have to worship, but he doesn't? I mean, I'm just saying. Not, I'm not trying to say nothing. All I'm saying is I'm saying, but I'm not saying. You know what I'm saying? And like he, so he goes around slandering God and, and, and we saw how he did it in Genesis chapter 3 hey did, did God really say that when we worship we gotta bow down I mean that's kind of extreme isn't it I mean why can't we just like bow in our hearts 
You know what I mean? I mean, he can read our hearts, right? I mean, I mean, it's cool. I'm fine with bowing. You're cool, right? Yeah, we're cool with bowing. Like, psh. But you plant a seed, right? Now she's like, oh, man, yeah, that's true. And then she goes and talks to her. And she's like, yeah, you know, I was talking to Lucifer the other day. You know, Lucifer's like super cool, right? Lucifer said, like, how come we got to bow? Why can't we just bow in our hearts? And so now these ideas, traffic, trafficking in ideas, these ideas start getting spread around heaven. And debates start, start sprouting up. Have you seen it happen in church? <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> and, and people start talking like, hey, I mean, did you, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I don't know, but. And suddenly you have these factions that are forming, up, forming in heaven. So the, the, the war that was happening was, wasn't just a, it wasn't like, hey, pull out your lightsabers. Who's on my side? It was, it was a polemic war. It was a war of words. Your words are important. Don't go around spreading rumors about people and talking trash about people because your words matter. So these angels are going around and now people are talking about these ideas like, is God really worthy of our worship? I mean, is God who he says he is? Is he really kind? Maybe he is selfish. What was the other word we got? Maybe he's, he's like, maybe he's like jealous of us. Like he knows that, that if he lets us reach our full potential as angels, like maybe we could like overthrow his kingdom. And like, I mean, I don't know, but maybe. And these ideas start spreading around heaven. So by the time you get to, um, we, we talked about in the, in the previous session, the, the power of a lie, right? You can't just refute a lie with, oh, it's a lie. A lie has to work itself out. Because now if God is actually mean and vindictive, and you guys start talking about, hey, maybe God is mean, and then suddenly you disappeared. Okay, I'm from, I'm from Zimbabwe, and there was a time in my country's history where, uh, how many of you guys know what WhatsApp is? Okay, it's like, it's a, it's a chat platform, right? And, uh, most, most of my countrymates, we would chat on WhatsApp. And there was a time in the history of the country where if you were driving along the road, you get stopped at a roadblock. And the cops come, they didn't stop you because your taillight is bust or you were speeding. They just stop, random stop, and they come and they confiscate your phone. And they look through your phone, they go to your WhatsApp, and they check your history. And they check if you've got any stories on there about the president. Any negative stories about the president, any funny stories about the president, any jokes about his government. And if you did, you disappeared at that roadblock. True story. Now... If people go around saying, like, man, the president of that country is a mean guy, like, he's a tyrant, and they're texting that on WhatsApp, like, man, the president's a tyrant, they get stopped at a roadblock, their phone gets confiscated, and then they disappear. Are you going to think the president is a tyrant or not? I mean, it confirms it, right? So now in heaven, if these angels started talking about, I mean, isn't God kind of like, he just wants us to worship him because he's selfish. And then the angel that started talking like that disappeared. Because God can, like, just like that, you're gone, right? And then the angel was, poof, gone. What would the angels be, say? They wouldn't say anything. <laughs> like, now they, they would retreat right into themselves, and they would worship God, but not because they trust him, but because, because they're afraid of him. And it only co goes to confirm what they thought or what was the rumor that was started about him. So in Genesis chapter 3, when Lucifer comes down and he's talking to Eve and he says, has God really said this? And he puts this question mark on the character of God. That starts this whole long drama that we're a part of today. And the question comes down to us today, what do you believe about the character of God? Do you think God is mean and vindictive? Like, he just wants to hold you back from your full potential. Like, he's just trying to ruin your life. I was afraid of committing my life to Jesus for a long time. 
totally grew up in the church, did all the right stuff, you know, generally speaking. But like in my heart, you know, I, I, I knew that there were parts of my heart that if I surrendered to God, it would change everything. I mean, it changes your priorities. It changes what you're going to study in school. It changes, you know, who you think you want to marry. It changes like where you think you want to live. I mean, giving your life to Jesus all the way, it changes everything. And I knew that. And I, I was afraid. And here's why I was afraid. I was afraid that God was going to make me marry someone that I didn't like. I know it's silly, but I mean, it's, I don't know if anyone else ever felt that way, but I, I would hear these stories at church, like these ladies go up and they're like, yeah, you know, I prayed to the Lord and then this man came and I would have never looked at him before, but then the Lord opened my eyes and I'm like, mm-mm, <laughs> my eyes was open before, <laughs> okay, <laughs> like God ain't doing that to me, <laughs> okay. And I, I was, I was really, I, I was petrified that God would, He would make me pick a career that I didn't want. I don't want to be Poe, you know. And I'm like, God's gonna make me be a teacher or something. <laughs> With all due respect to teachers, <laughs> both my parents are teachers. <laughs> but I, I really, I was, I was like, man, like He's gonna make me be a teacher. And my parents worked so hard, and and we were never rich. You know, we had food on the table, but we was never rich. And I was like, Lord, if I give you my heart, I know you're going to make me do something like that. (laughs) And I didn't want to give God my heart because I didn't trust him. Plain and simple. I didn't trust his character. I didn't trust that he was the kind of God who had my best interest at heart. I didn't trust that if, if I surrendered my will to him that he would look out for my best interest. I didn't trust God. And that's exactly what the devil has brought into this world, this fear, this mistrust of who God is. A friend of mine said to me one time, he said, you know, uh, he's, uh, he's Indian and irreligious. Like he wouldn't claim, he's probably, he'd say he's atheist probably. And we would have these conversations all the time. Most of the time, they'll be kind of more philosophical. Not Bible studies, just like philosophical conversations on the meaning of life and, you know, where you find that meaning and that kind of thing. And I'm coming from a biblical philosophy and he's coming from, like, an atheist philosophy. And um, I remember one time he got to a point as we were talking and he said, you know what, Siku, I hear what you're saying. He's like, but I can't believe in God. And I'm like, can't? Why can't you believe in God? And he said, I can't believe in God because if I believe in God, I'm going to have to change my life. And that was it. It's like, if I believe in God, I'm going to have to change my life and therefore I cannot believe in God. I choose not to believe in God because I don't trust how he's going to make me change my life. My question is, are you afraid of surrendering to God? Are there parts of your life you're afraid of, of, of surrendering and yielding to him because you've believed the lie that the devil is telling about him? That he's not trustworthy. That he's going to make you do something yucky or, you know, unpleasant and, and, and that's bad for you. I, I thought being a Christian and giving my life to Jesus would be boring. I mean, I was afraid of a lot of things. I was like, one, number one was he's going to make me marry someone I didn't want. Number two was I looked at church and I saw the people who were committed to God. You know the people who show up to prayer meeting? You know, like on Wednesday night? Not the Friday night, I mean the Wednesday night prayer meeting. Those folk were sad. No, I mean like literally sad. They were so serious all the time. Like... I never saw them laugh. And I was like, man, to be a Christian, you can't laugh. You got to be like somber all the time. And I'm not ready for that. Like, I like having fun too much. And, and those were the, my two top fears. Okay, This is honest to God. My two top fears, I'm afraid God's going to marry someone I don't like and that I was going to have to be a sad person for the rest of my life. And that's what kept me from surrendering to God. I don't know what it is for you. What keeps you from, from, from completely surrendering your life to him? I mean, every part of who you are, every aspect of, of your heart, every aspect of your identity, just saying, God, here, I'm putting it in your hands. 
Lord, you know, I will wear what you want me to wear. I'm not afraid you're going to make me wear curtains, you know. <laughs> Seriously, I, sometimes, sometimes the things that keep us from God, it's really silly stuff, you know. No, I'm afraid you're going to make me eat like carob cookies. <laughs> With all due respect to carob cookies. I know some people are like, love them. I don't. I'm like, hey, if I'm quitting chocolate, I'm just quitting chocolate. No carob for me, okay. Um, I, it, what is it that is keeping you from wholly surrendering to him. Because you know, the lie that the devil wants you to believe is that he is not trustworthy. That, that, that was my lead up to the theodicy question. People ask, if God is so good, and God knows all things, then why is there evil in this world? Can God really be trusted? What kind of a God allows, you know, a little kid... I was talking to my husband one time and he was telling me about his friend. Um, a tragic story. They had uh, twins, two-year-olds. And my, my oldest son is, is turning three in a month. So I think of the story sometimes when my kids are playing by the window. They went... It was like the second story of the house. And they went to a window and I, they must have managed to open the window somehow. And this two-year-old fell out of the window to her death. Two-year-old. And you're like, where was God? You know, where was, where was God when that happened? You got the, 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 the horror stories we have from the Holocaust. Like, where was God when all those people were being slaughtered? Where was God in the midst of all of that stuff? And I'm supposed to trust that God with my life? Where was God in the midst of all the pain? How about when, when, when quote, innocent people suffer? That's, that's the especially hard one. You know, like when, when people who are horrible, when they go through bad things, like, mm-hmm, karma. <laughs> Suddenly we believe in karma, like karma. But when people who, who, all we see of their lives is the good that they're trying to do. And then they suffer. Uh, we were, um, uh, yeah, I worked in Michigan for a while and our health ministry director in the conference, her husband um, got cancer and he died. What was troubling about it is he grew up Adventist, no drinking, no smoking. None of that stuff that they say, don't do this because you get cancer. His wife who is, now the health, who is now the health ministries director, was now the health ministries director, did not grow up in the church and was doing all this stuff. But he dies. And, and it's like, God, like seriously? I mean, the guy was vegan, right? Like what more can you do? Like, <laughs> this stuff, this stuff like boggles your mind. Where's God in the midst of all of this suffering? This has to do with these things we know about God. And in the light of these things, how is it possible that we can have evil in this world? And what I'm saying in a nutshell is, the great controversy answers that question. And we'll talk more about it tomorrow. <laughs> we'll talk tomorrow, we'll, we'll kind of conflate the, this theodicy question with the free will and, and sovereignty question because it has to do mainly with this guy, this guy, and this guy. Those are the ones we'll talk about and we'll, we'll, I think we'll be able to do it in one session. I know we'll be able to do it in one session because all night I'm going to think about it. We're going to do it, guys. <sighs> okay. Questions, comments, queries because I have two minutes. Questions, comments, queries, thoughts? Yes. Like your husband? <laughs> it's a trick question. <laughs> trick question. She said, Do you like your husband? Um, okay, I'm gonna tell you the truth, okay? Because. <laughs> Wait, I wasn't supposed to answer honestly? No, you should, but it's funny because I didn't expect you to be like, oh. Yeah, no, let me tell you the truth. Okay, the truth is, uh, and my friends will testify to this, and my husband knows this. 
Okay, so if he hears the... Honey, if you hear this recording, you know I love you. <laughs> All right. So, my husband is not the kind of person in almost every way that I ever thought I would ever marry. I do not lie. I mean in every way. <laughs> like, every way. <laughs> That's the truth. So my fear was accurate. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, however, every single time I think about it, I realize that I didn't know what I needed. When I thought about who I thought I wanted to marry, I didn't know who I needed to marry. And God knew me way better than I knew myself. So... He is absolutely not... And, like, my friends, like, when, when we started dating, they were like, who? <laughs> and, like, his friends were like, what? <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, was, it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> Nowhere else. Yeah, so it, it, it was... My fear was accurate, and yet it was unfounded. Because he, he is... I mean, in every way, everything that I didn't even know that I needed spiritually... Um, I didn't even want a husband who'd make me laugh, but he makes me laugh. I wanted a husband who'd like, we would sit and read books together all day. Like, I'm not, I love books. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, he's gonna, when we get married, we're gonna combine our libraries and it'll be like a mega library <laughs> in our house. This was my dream. <laughs> my, my husband is like, not really into books. I mean, he reads, like, oh, he reads, studies the Bible, but he's like, not a book nerd. But, I mean, he's, like, hecka funny. And if you ever meet him, like, you'll be laughing the moment you start talking to him. And I'm like, I didn't know I, I could benefit from laughter. I guess it's nice. <laughs> so, yeah. There's your answer. Okay, no more personal questions. Any other? <laughs> you said people disappeared on the side of the road. Like, did they get killed or something? Oh. Okay, answered. Asked and answered. I'm sorry, it, that was kind of a horrific story. Sorry. It, it, it's no longer, mostly, mostly no longer that way. Yeah. She was asking in, in my home country when people would disappear off the side of the road if they would get killed. And, uh, yes. So. But it, it, things are changing. Uh, last question. Tomorrow... Tomorrow we will start, our first session will be free will and sovereignty of God. If you've got, especially if you've got philosophical musings, it's going to be more like uh, philosophical-ish. And then from there, that's our third one. From there, the four, five, six are going to transition into more um, practical stuff, like how does a great controversy impact our decision-making? One more question. Does the last thing that you said, the decision-making, have to do with... Uh, relationships and principles taken from the great controversy applied to that topic? I was just wondering, like, would that be the... Th I don't even know how many sessions there are, but, like, one of those sessions so I know, like, when to, like, you know, come back. <laughs> okay. the, one, the one that's entitled uh, Martian Men, Venetian Women, that one's the relationship one. The one that's entitled uh, Miniskirts and Marijuana, that's the lifestyle one. We're going to talk about lifestyle issues. Um, the one that's entitled Drama in the Church, that's ecclesiology, that's um, uh, church drama. Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, church drama. Okay. All right, let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Loving Father, we pray that you would help us to trust you with our lives completely, or that we would not be unwilling to surrender aspects of our lives to you um, because we have believed the lies of the devil. Lord, as we continue our studies and as we continue this GYC session, we ask that the Holy Spirit would inspire our thoughts, that you would lead us into all truth, ultimately to Jesus Christ himself. And as we go out and do outreach this afternoon, we ask that the souls that we're going to meet at the doors would be prepared to receive the gospel, um, that you would soften their hearts to be willing to accept Bible studies, 
and that everyone that goes out on the buses and on the streets would have a blessed experience with Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.